I'm Derek Thompson, the host of the podcast, Plain English. We tackle technology, politics, culture, history, everything that's happening in the world and why it matters. New episodes of Plain English drop every Tuesday and Friday on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Iced Tea. Go beyond reality with new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea and discover a berry delicious world bursting with unexpected blackberry flavor. A world so full of refreshing blackberry iced tea that you may never want to leave. But there's always time to linger. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit amazon.com slash pureleaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Or at least I don't do crystal meth in the bathroom all night long. That's my opinion! He will never emotionally fulfill you. Because I don't want to be a part of it. Go to sleep! Go! Close your legs to married men, trash box. I'll tell you how I'm doing. Not well, bitch. Who gonna check me, boo? Despite our audio issues and a day from hell yesterday, we are here. <laughs> Welcome to the Morally Corrupt Show, a show here on the Ring of Reality feed. I'm Rachel Lindsay, here with Callie Curry, who we haven't had on the show for quite a while. She's been jet-setting around the world. She's joining me for the news of the week. Callie, how are you? What's been up? Um, You know, I'm finally coming out of jet lag. Um, Somehow, uh, literally halfway across the world in Australia, I have been able to keep up with every single Bravo show. And I'm covering a show today that I usually don't. And I got a late-night text message was like, are, do you happen to be up to date? And I was like, you know it. Bravo <laughs> is always a priority for me. <laughs> you guys, you need to send Callie a thank you. Just send her a DM because nobody stays on top of Bravo like Callie Curry. Uh, yeah. I, I love it. I lose sleep, but I think it's worth it. You know, it gives me just unlimited joy. This this entire news of the week is dedicated to Jersey, which is only getting us ready for the season, which also shows, shows just how masterful they are. They know exactly what to do to get us all pumped up. The countdown is on. I cannot wait for Jersey. We finally have had the wedding of the year. Dare I say it? The wedding of the year. I don't even really know who else got married, but the wedding of the year. And that <laughs> is... Teresa and Louis, we have been waiting for this day. Invitations, locations, guest lists have been leaked. The day's finally here. We've gotten, we haven't seen it play out. We know the cameras were there. At least I, I could have sworn I saw cameras uh, in people's videos. But we've seen it play out on social media as many, many, many housewives were there, including Kenya Moore, Cynthia Bailey, Ashley Darby. I didn't even actually see Ashley. Dorinda. Ashley was there. Dorinda Chanel. Medley, Ch- Chanel Ion. Per- like, this is a woman who's here to stay. If, she- if Dubai goes away, which could be 
very much so the case, which is why we don't cover it on this show. <laughs> Chanel is going to work her way into somebody else's franchise. Also there, Jill Zarin, Phaedra Parks. It was quite the affair. It was BravoCon before BravoCon. The wedding happened August 6th. Teresa's wedding was as extravagant and Jersey as we thought. Her four daughters were in the wedding who all look exactly the same and all very grown, I might add. Um, yeah. I also thought they all looked great. Like their hair and makeup was fabulous. I, they must have it. had a different stylist for Tarisa because I was going to say earlier when you said Teresa and Louis's wedding that you forgot an entire person of Teresa's hair. <laughs> because there was someone in there holding it up. There was a three-year-old child all night long on her shoulders pushing her hair up. Yeah. Holding it all together. It was a sight. I thought it was a joke when I first saw it. I was like, no, 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 no. This isn't, this is a bad angle. This isn't what really happened. But now we know $10,000 later, $10,000, bobby pins, and two, and a two-hour takedown later. That, that was the hair. I don't know who created this vision. I have a feeling it was presented to Teresa and it wasn't Teresa's idea. And she said, go with it. I, I have a feeling this hairstylist will not be on anybody's list to call back, to call for their wedding or their special event. What did you think about the dress? I, what do you mean? I, did anyone look at the dress? Could anyone get past the hair? I looked at the dress. The only thing that I could see was her hair and the smoke machine. Oh, the smoke machine on the off. dance floor at the reception. <laughs> it was, I, listen, it seemed very Teresa. Everything seemed very Teresa. Very All Teresa. So is it the dress that I would choose? No. Is it a hairstyle that I would choose? No. Would I have a smoke machine on the dance floor? Probably not. But they seemed very happy with it. Very happy. It almost seemed like it was a tribute to a different time in Jersey. It was a very throwback look. I just, the whole thing, I mean, the 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 venue looked great. Yeah. I'm told that that is very Jersey to have your wedding at that venue. So my friends from Jersey say. Um, so it just seemed like an ode to Jersey. I'm sure it was also an emotional day for her because her parents weren't there. So I can only, and I'm sure we'll see that play out on film as well. But she, she looked very happy and that's what matters. Uh, and she was happy despite the other drama surrounding the show, because it seemed like everyone from the cast of Real Housewives of New Jersey, even what's her, Jackie, I can never remember her name. Jackie was there. She was in attendance, but who wasn't was Melissa and Joe. Melissa, her sister-in-law, Joe, her brother. All of this. And I assume her niece and her nieces and nephews. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Were not there either. I'm sure they weren't. Yeah. And it's just, you know, a part of me, Callie, is like, was this just for the show? But would you miss such a large occasion just for a storyline on the show? I don't know. Now, you know, I'm more lean towards the Melissa and Joes. You, Callie, do not. 
I'm curious as your take when it comes to this whole, before we get into what we're hearing rumored as to why they didn't go, Mm -hmm. do you believe they really didn't go because of a tiff or do you believe it was a storyline? I think it's both. I'm sure they're having a tiff. Like, I don't think it's made up. I'm sure they're having a tiff. Also, like, they have a tiff every time they're together. Like, I can't remember the last time they were able to be in the same room and not have tiff. So, like, sure, I'm sure they're having a tiff. But I think they took that opportunity to make it into this big thing, to make it into a storyline. Because, like, by the way, Melissa and Joe, I know you're not going to agree with me or you have it in the past. Maybe you will today because I think the tides are turning. (laughs) But Melissa and Joe don't really have a storyline without their feud with Teresa. I don't know what it is. That's true. So that is their storyline. Maybe this season they faded into the background a little bit. They wanted... We'll see. Um, I just can't imagine anything making me so mad that after my parents pass away, I'm not going to my sibling's wedding. And I can be salty as fuck. I can be angry at them afterwards. I'm still going to go. I'm still going to have my kids go and be with their cousins. And we can figure it out later. And maybe we don't figure it out and we never talk again. But like, we're not at that point yet. It doesn't seem because it seems like them canceling was a very last minute, which, which also, by the way, is just rude for any wedding. So, yeah, no, I just, I probably would have sucked it up and gone and then we can figure it out later. Ex- excellent points, Callie. It's so true. I didn't even put that together. She had no family there because we know she didn't invite the cousins, Kathy and and the other, I can't think of the other one's name, the sisters. She didn't invite them. She didn't have her brother there. Sadly, her parents have passed away. Rosie, thank you. Kathy and Rosie, we know she's she's ha- she's on the outs with them. So it really is sad that family wasn't there. And family, you, you just, they're going to regret. If there really is the love there, which I believe there is, you're going to, Joe, I can't speak for Melissa, but Joe, I really believe will regret not being there. And I don't know how you come back for this. From this, I don't think they come back because, especially for someone like Teresa, she's not letting this go. She still is pissed about the Publix cookies, like that she brought to <laughs> Christmas ten years ago. You think she's gonna let go of you? Make also not only did I guess we're jumping straight into this, but not only did she not they did did they not go? They were posting videos and trying to make it her wedding day and her wedding weekend about anything but the wedding. Now, the last thing I'll say is we know at this point that they weren't at the wedding, but we, whether you believe that they did it for a storyline or because it was based on an argument, or maybe you're like Callie and it's both. This is what the alleged argument was. Melissa and Joe didn't show up because of the drama that occurred at the finale party, which was filmed a couple of days before the wedding. So allegedly, allegedly, There's a cheating rumor once again going on or around about Melissa cheating on Joe. So the rumor has it that Melissa was out with her non-show group of friends along with Margaret Josephs. Margaret apparently walked in on Melissa kissing another man. She apparently opened a car door, the car door, and saw Melissa kissing their friend. Uh, They're both, I guess, close friends with this guy's friends. I'll use that with air quotes right now because we don't know. Now, this... 
the friend, then Margaret apparently told her friend. Now, this friend has been trying to get on a season of Real Housewives in New Jersey. And the rumor is that she told Jen and Teresa. And all of this comes out at the finale party. Now, but also, supposedly, supposedly she told Teresa and Jen and supposedly Teresa walked away and said she didn't want anything to do with this. I don't know if this was filmed or not filmed. That would obviously change things. But that was part of the rumor. Mm. And also, kudos to Teresa for being the bigger person and not wanting to be involved in it, seeing how she was only going to get married a couple of days before. Um, So to your point, if this is true, then it was a quick decision for them not to go to the wedding. Um, I, it's sad if, it's sad period that they didn't go to the wedding. All I have to say is it's going to be a great season. Yeah, it's going to be a great season. Great finale. Um, The only last thing I will say to put a bow on this, I think from watching their Instagrams on the night before the wedding and of the day of the wedding. Callie doesn't miss a beat. I don't think, I don't think Melissa could be happier that this is happening. Like she wants it all to be about her all the time. She wants Joe 100% on her side. She seems very thrilled that they didn't go and that they threw a party and got to post about it. I also think it says a lot that every other Jersey housewife went. Every other Jersey housewife went. It's so true. Yeah, Melissa, you you lost me on this one. She she lost me on this one. Um, we'll have to see. We'll see it play out. Can't see it going another way. But I've been wrong before. I've been surprised before. Um, let Callie, so glad to have you back. Thank you for being here. Happy to be here. We are happy to have you. We are going to move on at this point to the Real Housewives of Atlanta, where Chelsea will be joining me. Season 14. Episode 13, a rum punch to the gut. I gotta say, Chelsea, Atlanta's picking up. Oh, it is definitely turning around and I am loving it. It's, it's, uh, I, I mean, I've enjoyed the season altogether. The women are just kind of funny and like interesting to watch. So like, it's been good, but now it's like at a point where it's like fun to discuss. <laughs> yes. Now there is some drama happening happening every single episode and it's not just Ralph and Drew but seeing how I mentioned Ralph and Drew let's just go ahead and start with Ralph and Drew because they always give it to us and I always leave feeling so sorry for Drew I know that Drew I do when it comes to Ralph that it just I like Drew I do. I think that she can be a lot and annoying (laughs) at times, but I think the the feeling of of feeling sorry for her makes me lean towards that more than anything else. But if you've been following along, uh, Ralph revealed to Drew that he is writing a book on being a step parent. And this is news to Drew. And it's not just an idea. This is in full force. He has already started writing it. He has a publisher. They've been meeting. And he's kept Drew out of all of this, which is what is so strange because the book is about being a step-parent, which means it includes her child and it includes her. And he is not including her at all in this process. So right there, you know that it is not going to be a New York Times bestseller (laughs) because the foundation of the book is off. And so at this point in the, the season, we see Ralph bringing Drew in, and I use that term loosely, into the process by introducing her to his publisher. 
and says he, he wants to get things off on the right foot. And he's patting himself on the back for introducing her. Ignoring, ignoring the fact that you're writing a book that has to do about her, ch- like great step parenting. You're writing a book about the child and you've, you're messed up with that. But kudos to you, Ralph, for introducing her what seems like months later to your publisher. It doesn't bother me that she's not super involved because it is his stepfathering side of it. I'm just concerned as to why Drew is why Drew is concerned about him writing poorly about her. Like, wouldn't you think your husband would be protecting you? Like, so that kind of makes me feel like there, I mean, there's obviously trouble in paradise there. But, right. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Drew and, and Ralph keep alluding to all the mistakes right? uh, Like referencing the mistakes that they made. So now I'm curious, if you ever wanted to tease for the book, this is it. What were all these mistakes that you made in the beginning? They keep saying, oh, there were these, you know, like I, I, we made so many mistakes. Are you going to be writing about that? What does that mean? And that must be what she's referring to or referencing when it comes to Ralph writing poorly. Something was done that wasn't I don't know. On I don't the straight know, up and to, narrow. Up to board. Yeah. I, I, I'm curious too, because like I am a child of divorce and I have a stepfather whom I'm very close to. I consider my dad. So I, I, I've dealt with single mom stuff and dating and her introducing me to people. And so I, I don't, I know. I'm curious, like what, what did they do that was so wrong? Especially because her, the father of her child was in prison, I'm pretty sure. Um, so Yeah, what could you have done so bad? (laughs) I don't know. We need to know. And I'm hoping this comes out in the book more. But I think that's what she's worried about or that he'll write poorly. And listen, this is Ralph we're talking about here. You you can't expect for him to do her any favors because he hasn't already. And I wouldn't put it above him to trash her in this book to make himself look good. You know what I mean? He's going to yeah. put Drew down <laughs> to make himself look like the ideal step-parent. That's going to yeah. be the book. And he'll do it not thinking that he's doing it that way. Like, he's, no, I'm just like, like just, I'm just showing my experience. Like, he's not going to realize, you know, manipulative-wise that he's doing it in a way that really makes his wife look horrible. So Yeah. Now, I'm curious on, on this with you because you just, you know, talked about the close relationship you have with your stepfather. Another issue that's between... Uh, Ralph and Drew is that Drew wants Ralph to adopt her son Josiah, and Ralph said that he spoke to the boy's father, and um, or her son's father, and he expressed that the, the 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 father, the birth father, said that he would be upset if they proceeded with the adoption process. So Ralph, out of respect of the father, said that you know he wasn't going to adopt uh, Josiah. How do you, where do you stand on that? So I actually am pro Ralph in this sense. Um, I think that it was the right thing for him to do to go to the father and and say that because that ultimately is his child too. I don't know how involved the father is in their life. Um, I know last season or two seasons ago, they like met at the restaurant and stuff like that. So I don't, I don't have any issue with that. I am very close to my stepdad. He is 
in many ways, my dad. Um, I don't have a relationship with my biological father. Um, my last name is hyphenated. So I have my stepdad's name. Um, so I think if you're not going to adopt, I think that's an, a lovely way to show that, you know, this child is a part of your family. Um, and it was, I think pretty easy. I don't know. I was young when they did it, (laughs) but yeah, I, I, it doesn't bother me. And I think, especially later on in the episode, I think Marlo is very harshly coming down on Ralph. Like there's more ways that you could show a child that you love them than adopting them and paying then claiming them on your taxes. Like I, I, I don't think, um, and I think Ralph's doing that seemingly with, with Josiah. So I don't have an issue with it. Um, and I think he did the right thing by talking to the child's father. Um, Because legally, I don't know if you can adopt a child without both parents' consent. Like, I'm not sure how that works. So, yeah. Me neither. Me neither. But you're right. As painful as it is, it's hard to say this. Ralph was right. I agree with you completely. (laughs) Um, So we see the ladies finally, it was announced last week, but we see them finally leaving Atlanta and heading to Jamaica, which... I've been told it really goes down in Jamaica and we (laughs) already are seeing that in this episode. So if you'll remember when Sonia called everybody, she said that this is a couple's trip, which offended people who were, I don't know if she said it was a couple's trip, but she said you have to have a plus one and it's referencing you have to have a couple, which is, I get it. It's a little offensive because the ladies, not everybody has a significant other. And some people, Sheree, and Kenya just really got out of, you know, tough relationships yeah, yeah, that were tough. Yeah. So, I, you know, I love Sonia, but this was, this was like, I, inconsiderate. I yeah, I definitely think her delivery of it last, was it last week, was kind of harsh with Kenya. Like, she did really, like, reiterate the point, like, you need to bring someone and not clarifying that's that someone could be a friend or whatever so yeah I definitely didn't love how she delivered it I do love the idea where she's just like I don't want people to feel left out or like for there to be oddball so like I want you to bring someone I think that was considerate but the way in which she delivered it was definitely um uncomfortable <laughs> yeah that's yeah. to say the least yeah yeah so everybody ends up bringing someone whether it's a friend a florist Marlo, or um, their significant other. And Kenya does not. She, once again, uses, it could be an excuse, could not, but that's the storyline here, the sick excuse, and says the person that she was bringing got sick. Very likely. We're living in the times of of COVID. And uh, so she comes by herself, does not let that, doesn't let that be known to Sonia until she gets to Jamaica. Um, Very Kenya of her. Very Kenya. (laughs) But then we see Kenya try to get her groove back. Um, She passes by this guy as she's driving on a golf cart to to her bungalow. He catches her eye and she invites him to the group dinner later that night. Chelsea, here's the question. Is he a producer plant? Um, He did seem like a very willing participant. (laughs) 
be like, yeah, I'll go to dinner with you. I'll sign this release and I'll be on camera. Like that's you're right. That possibly I, I kind of thought like, they're like, Ooh, who's that guy? He's looking at us. I'm like, yeah, because you guys probably have like 10 cameras around you. Like, of course he's going to look and stop and see what's going on. Like not to say that you're not a beautiful woman that could break necks, but I'm sure the cameras caught his attention. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I, I probably, probably, or just like got lucky and, and yeah, he, got a free dinner out of out of it <laughs> dined and dashed he really did <laughs> yeah the only reason i mean at first i was like okay this is definitely a plant but then he just seems so awkward that i was just like i don't know and then he said he came on a trip with his brother so you left your brother to be by himself while you did this which is why we probably ultimately see him just leaving when it comes to the dinner (laughs) because he's over it also you know these dinners go on for a long time so who knows how long he was sitting there i felt sorry for him he seemed more like a pawn than kenya really wanting to get to know him yeah 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 that's true i um i mean maybe just because i'm such a housewife fanatic but i would have sat at that table and ate everything up the fact that he left right before it was getting good like that was a mistake on his part um but i could understand a man not wanting to like he probably thought you know it's gonna end in like a nice little romantic you know rendezvous in her room right right like three hours later yeah (laughs) it did it did not my suggestion is that you have him as the bartender on Watch What Happens Live Ooh. so we can get some more. We, we obviously have all his information. He did sign a release. So fly that man from London because I believe that's where he said he was. Mm-hmm, let him be mm-hmm. the bartender and let's, let's ask him some questions. The fact that this hasn't been done yet, you're slipping. You're slipping. <laughs> I know. You should have been slipping. on this past week with, with Sonia. Sonia was on. Speaking of what happened, what happened to this beautiful dinner? They're here in Jamaica. Jamaica's a lovely place. Um, They're getting away. They're there with a good friend, a significant other, um, a florist. And somehow the dinner, their first night there, it just disaster strikes. And, And its name is Marlo. You know, I don't know if hurricanes hit Jamaica, but Hurricane Marlo definitely was tearing it up. And... I don't know what's wrong with Marlo. I mean, I do know what's wrong with Marlo. Marlo's dealing with some personal issues. And a lot of times you take those out on the people closest to you. And she is just unraveling and unleashing in a way that makes me want to either take her peach away or cut it in half. (laughs) You know what I mean? She needs to go back to a friend of... I know it's really sad because like we were so happy to have Marla to have her peach at the beginning of the season. And now like I did think this nephew um, like Monty stuff was going to be very like interesting and like nice to see her in this role. And now it is just the complete opposite. And yeah, it does feel like she's taking this out on the wrong people. And she's she's been gunning for candy since the beginning of the season, which I also don't understand like so I I don't know I like I thought she was butting her own like personal issues into Ralph and um Drew's situation and I thought Candy raised a really good point of like what makes you think you could say something when you just kicked out your two nephews like you you don't really have a leg to stand on here (laughs) no not at all and it's 
It's interesting. Marlo's going to end up sitting by herself at the reunion. It's her first mm-hmm. time. I don't know if she's been to the chair. reunion before. But yeah, she's going to. She Because when people watch this back and hear the thing, let's not forget all the nasty things she and Sheree were saying about Kenya. Ooh. When people play the tape back, they're going to hate Marlo. Be, Marlo, I mean, Marlo is not doing herself any favors. And I don't even know if she's going to be able to come back as a full-time housewife. Just, I mean, yes, you're giving us, excuse me, good TV. But you're wrecking friendships in the process. So we see her really go at it with Candy. And it's almost as if she's not aware of her own situation as she's going after Ralph for his decision not to adopt Drew's son. And like you said, there are other ways to show love other than adopting someone. He could adopt Drew's son, Josiah, and be a, a terrible father. Yeah. <laughs> but it really sounds like he's involved in Josiah's life and he's accepted Drew and her son, you know, before Drew got married. So, you know, Marlo projecting her own issues on Ralph. I get it. None of us are Ralph fans, but this was not the time and place. And please don't do things that make me have to defend Ralph. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't want any parts of it. And Marlo brings it back to herself and her foster child experience. And I would love to do a deep dive and really understand it because I feel like I'm not getting the flow. Like I love a timeline and really understanding what happened in Marlo's life because I just don't get it. I know it was rough. I know it was hard. I know she moved around a lot and it was, and, and she didn't really have that love from her mother, but I would love to understand it better because I feel like it helped me understand Marlo. I do love that they brought Todd into it because then she starts saying, oh, you chose your mother over Todd. And it's just like, girl, they have worked those issues out. Please stop. But she does bring up something that I'm wondering if you think that this is true. So we know that Todd and Candy met on set. Todd was a producer behind the scenes. And this happened, I think, when they when they were in Africa, they connected, and then they've been dating ever since. And then, of course, they they are where they are now. But Marlo says that Todd called Candy a country bumpkin and didn't want her. And Todd says that Marlo bought her way onto the show. Yeah. <laughs> Which one do you believe, or do you believe both? Both. Um, <laughs> I think that. Todd probably said something along the lines like Candy might be a little hood, like something like that. And like maybe had some prejudgments of her. I don't know why he would tell Marlo this, but like Candy said, like, sure, he thought I was a country bumpkin. He married my ass. Like, so what? And I loved the producer Todd coming into this of like, I know exactly how you got on this show. And it's not because you're any friends with any of these women. I just wanted him to share more. And he probably did. They've just cut a lot out. Um, right, right. But I, I loved it. I was, I was into it. I was like, give me the BTS. Give me what was on the cutting room floor. Like this, like this was everything. <laughs> okay. And then we stay in Jamaica. We see the previews for next week. I got to say, y'all done messed up. Y'all went and pissed off the homie Ross. When I see (laughs) Ross stand up and say, I want Ross on the podcast. When I see Ross stand up and say, hold on, you are not going to disrespect my wife. What you have to understand about Ross, what you do see, he is so chill. He is easygoing, chill, very nice, down for whatever. But if he stood up, something was said. And I cannot wait to see what it was. I'm excited. I This trip is really, like, I'm happy. I feel like they, obviously, because of COVID, they haven't done anything international in a while. Like, I'm so happy to see Housewives, 
like now leaving their home states and, and doing something fun. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, I look forward to a Drew sprains her ankle, maybe like it's going to be a great episode. I'm, it's going to be so good. More to come. Shout out to, to Jamaica. Yeah. All right. So sounds like we'll probably be, re- probably be recapping Atlanta next week. So Chelsea, we will definitely talk to you then. Glad that it's finally picked up in episode 13. But here we are. Here we are. <laughs> We're moving. This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Iced Tea. Go beyond reality with new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea and discover a berry delicious world bursting with unexpected blackberry flavor. A world so full of refreshing blackberry iced tea that you may never want to leave. But there's always time to linger. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit amazon.com slash pureleaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Speaking of a city that never seems to let us down, we're going to move on down to Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, season 12, episode 14. Shameless, not ruthless. Joining me now is Jody. 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 It never disappoints. Jody's smiling. <laughs> Jody's ready to go. She's twiddling her fingers. Her hands on. Wait, she's. She, I say she's twiddling her fingers and she's holding a microphone. She can't do both. But I. <laughs> and I lost my mic stand, so excited. I'm literally holding my microphone. <laughs> she is excited. You, uh, Jody, what did you think of this week's episode? Your thoughts. Well, I got to say first, I was smiling like that because I was absolutely cackling at you and Chelsea talking about Atlanta. And like, I've kind of skipped out on this season, but now I'm ready to hop back in. Start now. I'm going to start. Yeah, I'm just going to start in the middle. I'm I'm prepared. I'm on a Housewives podcast. Um, As for Beverly Hills, you know, in some ways, this episode was like kind of boring. I'm a little over seeing Rinna like performatively lash out. And then in every other way, it had me wheezing. Like there were some of the funniest moments in this episode between Dorit's charity, the name of which I'm sure (laughs) we will get to. And it's almost like I don't want to spoil it in case anyone is listening who hasn't watched. I don't want to spoil it yet. But one of my favorite Beverly Hills tropes is I have a very up and down relationship with Dorit. But I love watching her take on one of her little projects and be so self-serious about it. Like watching her <laughs> design that room at Buca de Beppo a few seasons ago was just a, a pure comedy act. And so watching her put on this little party for her philanthropic work was just delightful for me. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah. Well, it lets us know that Dorit I mean, she's a mother and I'm not taking away from that. Outside of that, Dorit Dorit has nothing going on in her life. Absolutely nothing. No storyline. Like, Dorit, I'm I'm so bored with Dorit. I'm so bored. And the fact that she had a moment, and and I use that with air quotes, she had a moment this episode. You know, when it, not to skip ahead, but if the lights are the most important thing about your event, and by that, I mean turning them on and off, not even designing what the lights are going to look like. You know what I mean? They're just not the house the decor. lights. They're just the just lights in our house. <laughs> it might be time to turn the lights down on old Dorit. Oh, it might Rachel. Be time. 
You're breaking my heart. Not really. I think I'm very comfortable with her in a friend of role. Like, I'm good with her coming in every once in a while, designing a room at Buca de Beppo and just cruising back out. But you're right. I mean, Sharon Stone knocked on her door five years ago and like she's still talking about it. That's, <laughs> that's what she you has going on. <laughs> It was all downhill from Lucy Lucy, Apple Juicy Goosey, or whatever that that dog's name Don't was. Say her I think name. I got, Don't say her I name. I think I got four. They it's got like four Bloody of the, Mary. the names right. <laughs> okay, so on a more serious note, this episode starts off with Sutton and Crystal hanging out. And Sutton tells Crystal that everybody was talking about her last week when she wasn't at uh, Lisa Renna's Renna, what was it called? Renna, Renna Rose. Rose. Renna Rose, Renna Teeny, Renna Rita event. Um, and rightfully so. And leave it up to Sutton. You know, if anybody's going to tell Crystal it's Sutton, which is interesting because we know they always haven't had the best relationship. But here she is telling Sutton, listen, you need to know what was being said about you. And I love that she told Crystal this. And I'm sure it's hard for Crystal to hear. But they were judging Crystal. And they were you know, projecting and I don't like it. And I I don't want this to come back on Sutton, but it needed to be said, right? Yeah. And I mean, Sutton seemed genuinely bothered by it at the time at the Rena Rose party. Like she did not like that they were talking about it. She kind of told them to cut it out. But when she tells Crystal that they were talking about her, Crystal's like, I know, I talked to Rena yesterday. And you, when they kind of play the flashback, it seemed to me like Rena was trying to get out in front of it. She, you know, which they do a lot. They're like, so we all talked about you a few days ago and I just want to <laughs> go ahead and tell you before it gets back to you. It's like, well, this is it getting back to her. Like, you're not doing anything. So I feel like Crystal kind of felt like she was on top of it. Like she knew that they talked about her. She said it was kind of okay. And then when she realized the content, which Sutton was pretty straightforward about. I mean, it did make me really sad to watch Crystal receive that information that she was being judged for like the most difficult thing in her life. But yeah, I, I don't know. These women are just not equipped to deal with this. No, 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 not at all. And I'm glad that they're keeping it in the episode to show how wrong these women are by by handling this, especially when they come from experience. Like Lisa Rinna loves to throw out. Just the fact that you're doing it in this way is just really, it's really, really tacky. Um, speaking of tacky, <laughs> we move on. We move on to how dare what's you? going to what seems to be an episode regular occurrence at this point, and that is Asher singing. Who I, he sings very well. I told you, I've I knew him from back in the day. He yeah, has your president, original tr- president of his fan club. <laughs> he has. I don't know about that. <laughs> he has improved tremendously, but the fact that Diana's like. You know, my favorite moments are when I'm, you know, just happen to sneak up on on Asher. I almost said Usher. On Asher <laughs> as he as he is just playing the piano and it's like Diana. There are cameras surrounding. He's boom, there's a boom mic over his head at this point. You know what I mean? The piano itself is mic'd. Come on now. You didn't sneak up on him. Stop immediately. This was planned. He was in full, he was dressed up. He had makeup on. Stop. This is a performance. It's a concert. There is not a natural thing about that young man, nor that relationship. Like, yeah, I just, I love to just wander into the house and find my husband fully mic'd, 
playing the piano. Asher's been running scales all day. Like he's been <laughs> doing like mommy made me match my M&Ms or whatever. Like, and I don't know, Di- the way that she was talking about him, it was like she was saying so much of the, like saying the quiet parts out loud. You know, she was like, she said he's like a child. She was yeah, like, he's, she so, did. he's so sheltered. He's so, he's, he's very sweet. He's a child. I was like, ma'am, you are not supposed to say that about your very young husband. Okay. So an episode that we could have, I mean, a scene we could have done without were was watching Kyle and Erica get their backs cracked. I mean, I understand the purpose of it because we had to get Kyle to stir that pot that just keeps getting bigger and bigger. I mean, the shit Kyle is stirring is ridiculous. You know what I mean? It's brewing. It's brewing at this point. And the whole point of the scene was for her to tell, plant the seed to Erica that Garcelle keeps poking around about your drinking and wondering if you're drinking too much. And now, because we kept saying, we know Kai, we know Garcelle and Erica do not get along in present day. But the question was, they seem to be okay. So how does it get here? When do things change? Boom. Now. Ground zero. This is ground zero. And it starts with Kyle. Kyle's planting a seed that is being done in a negative way. It's in Erica's head. And here we go. Well, and she's like, you said it in a much more, um, I think, honest and polite way than what Kyle said, which is like, Kyle, you know, says that Garcelle is saying that Erica has a drinking problem. Now, I think Garcelle could have been a little more careful with her words throughout this process. But also Erica, you know, at first Erica responds well to what Garcelle was saying when it was like about what she'd done to her sons. But now she she always is she as she gets further away from the inflection point, she always starts kind of like rolling her eyes and being like, can we be over this? And so she's just rolling her eyes at this idea. And she's like, I guess you can't have fun in front of some people. It's like you curse at her 14-year-old son, and you propositioned her married 30-year-old son and referred to the children of his mother as his baby mama. You were so out of line. That's not having fun. Can you blame Garcelle if she didn't see that as having fun and was kind... And it, I think, has been tainted by that, you know? Like, that's the first thing she saw. Then she sees how she acts at Diana's party. Like, it's all gonna kind of be downhill from there. I mean, I agree that, like, it's not you know, we're not in intervention territory, but I don't blame Garcelle for seeing this as a problem because it was a problem to her. Yeah. To her family. And I I mean, you got to give it to Garcelle too for handling it in such a classy way. Not because she wanted to, because she had to. She couldn't match Erica's energy by being and be deemed the angry Black female because that's what the audience is ready to, you know, call her that. But... I have a feeling she would have handled it totally different had the cameras not been around. Totally different. But now we see. We see that the seed has been planted. And we know what's coming at this point. I mean, shoot, we get it in a preview for the next week's episode. But... I cannot wait. I cannot wait to. And what I also can't wait is to talk about this dinner party. So we see old Dora Reed and PK host a dinner for their dentist charity that is entitled Homeless not toothless. No, I did not stammer when I said that. That's not a typo. It is entitled Homeless, Not Toothless to when Kathy Hilton hears it, she says, that's beautiful. 
Is that what she said? I think she just said, first, she, first she said, what'd you say? <laughs> she like mishears it. That's the, it's like watching Dorit repeatedly have to say this name, homeless, not toothless, as if it is an okay thing to call a philanthropy is, is like high art. It is camp. It's so, it is so absurd. So then like, Dorit is trying to give this very serious speech at her dinner and Kathy goes, what? <laughs> What's it called? And then when she says it again, yeah, she's like, that's beautiful. <laughs> Can we discuss is it? the name a little bit more? Yeah, does what Dorit, you got, Rach? What's does Dorit not have friends? I mean, and, and Sharon Stone's apparently a part of this as well. Is that what I'm hearing? Well, Dorit didn't name it. She joined on. Apparently, I, Sharon I be a part Stone... Of was an early... I, I know. It's like, I mean, do, could you find a different philanthropy doing the same work? The thing is, I'm not good at naming stuff either. I'm a writer. And so people a lot of times ask me for help, like naming things or writing a headline. And that's not what I do. I write 4,000 word pieces about The Bachelor. <laughs> I don't write like perfect four line headlines. I understand naming something poorly, but at some point you got to realize that everyone is startled by the name home. Okay. And then Rachel, can I tell you what I discovered when I Googled homeless, not toothless? There's a period at the, there's a period at the end of it. Like it's a sentence. The official name homeless, not toothless has a period at the end of it. As if it's a profound statement. You know they thought they were so deep when they did that. You know they did. Yeah, they're like, this sounds great. This is a play on words. It's it's a slant rhyme. But I'm saying if Dunkin' Donuts can rebrand to just Dunkin', then surely Homeless Not Toothless can rebrand <laughs> to something. I just, oh my gosh. It's like, There's gotta be can, another way. It's okay to be homeless as long as you have a pretty smile. What? The implications are terrible. <laughs> I just... We just had to spend, we just had to spend a couple of minutes on Homeless Not Toothless. I mean... Never enough. Okay. So, <laughs> Dorit goes even deeper by discussing the theme of the evening, which is black and gold. I mean, okay. Um, then they have a conversation for five minutes that we saw, which means it was probably a good 25 minutes about the lights. And Dorit's frustration about whether or not PK can handle dimming the lights and have the right light setting. And she literally yells at him for not getting it right. Dorit. 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 I, I would yell at PK too, but it's like, listen, lady, you married him. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. He's always been this way. Okay, so speaking of PK though, just, just really quickly. PK always seems to, um, like, we know PK's in lawsuits. We question what PK really does. We know he's a businessman and they have money, but then he'll throw out these things like, well, you know, I was having dinner the night I got the, the DUI with John and Lionel. And it's like, so John Legend and Lionel Richie sat down with you for dinner. What does PK do in music? Even later in the episode, he refers to working with a management company. What does PK do? You know, we laughed about Boy George and Culture Club, and it's just like, okay, Boy George, whatever. But now you're naming some legit, relevant people. I don't know. And I'm like, 
John Legend do better? Like, what are you doing sitting down to dinner with PK? Because that'd be a pretty bold lie to tell on national television. So I I guess it's true. Maybe they got tricked into this dinner. I don't know. (laughs) But (laughs) earlier in the episode, Dorit had said when she was like hinting at the surprise guest, she was like, you know, I ask... I ask PK for like a big guest and he pulls a rabbit out of a hat. And to this point, that rabbit has always been Boy George. It is <laughs> always the lights go down, the lights go up, the curtain goes down, the curtain goes up. It's always Boy George. But this time, just, you know, getting a little ahead of ourselves, it is Melissa Etheridge. And I was pretty floored. I was shocked as well. I, I like Melissa Etheridge. Um, the the only people who may not have been are Kathy Hilton and Callie Curry, because Callie says she has never heard of Melissa Etheridge or the song she was singing. And Kathy's reaction was, "Who the hell is it?" Gosh, that was so funny. Not funny. That maybe woman that- <laughs> cannot see a thing. Maybe. She- <laughs> maybe not. She didn't funny. say a single. <laughs> Maybe not funny in light of some of the current news that, that that Kathy Hilton also doesn't know. Maybe not as funny, but Kathy Hilton was like, well, who the hell is it? She was so desperate. Everyone was so excited. And I don't think Kathy ever got the answer to that. I still don't think that she knew who Melissa Etheridge was. But after she sang Come to My Window, Kathy was the first one out of her seat clapping. She is now a fan. But prior to that, she had never heard of Melissa. And I honestly wish they would have asked her who she thought Melissa was. That is the answer I want to hear. <laughs> At least then it would be like a little more universal. That I mean, I don't think Kathy recognizes her own reflection. Like I, she, she, she doesn't recognize her own sister. She has never recognized anyone on this show. <laughs> Melissa came in at a time when a lot was going on. She was able to calm down the ladies. So my suggestion to all you listeners out there is: if you're going through a tough time or a situation seems to be heated, simply press play on an old classic, come to my window, and all will be right in the world. And it, you might even have a breakthrough like we saw Lisa Rinna have after it was all said and done. But before we get to that, let's get to something that was trending on Twitter that was really making the rounds. And that is the conversation between Mauricio and PK, which was weird and inappropriate. And it's like, what do you guys talk about when you're off mic? I I just cannot see my husband having this conversation with anyone. And if he is, it's going to be an issue. And I can't wait to hear Kyle. She's going to laugh it off. She's going to be like, oh, that was just PK and Mauricio. They're going to dress us at the reunion and she's totally going to laugh it off. If we know anything after Kyle about 12, after 12 seasons, we know she was utterly embarrassed by that moment. And she chewed Mario out behind closed doors. So Mario, Mauricio, look at me. I'm just mixing up all things. Okay, Mauricio. So Mauricio comes to the event and he needs a belt and PK gives it to him. And if you don't know, PK and Mauricio are very close. I mean, close to the point where he confides in things with Mauricio that he didn't even tell his own wife, aka the DUI. So PK says to Mauricio, which wife would you rather, Wait, it was which housewife would you rather bang? They were looking at the table, you know, the standing table full of housewives. He said the winner who wins tonight is what he said, which is still icky. 
it like devolves. They're like looking at the women and they're describing what they're wearing and how they look. And then one of them is, I, I kind of seemed to me like PK was being pretty go- gross. And for a moment, Mauricio kind of tries to bring it around. They're talking about like who looks best. And Mauricio's like, well, obviously my wife. And then PK's like, oh no, we're getting into this. Who do you want to bang? What's up? <laughs> like who? And then, and Mauricio's like, my wife. <laughs> and then he's like, no, excluding your wife. And then he says, your wife uh, without like, taking it goes a like that yeah. yeah he's like and he's like no excluding he says excluding the wives and he goes dirty like he doesn't even finish the sentence and he's like no 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 no. we're taking our wives out of the equation then he says renna and pk says erica which okay which if you know the history of the show of course you said erica right like that, like the whole panty gate situation. Of course, of course he said that. I think that Mauricio is the coolest friend that PK has ever had. And he wants so badly to impress him. So he starts this party giving him a Versace belt. He immediately devolves into like locker room conversation. You know, it's just like this, I, this friendship means so much to him. It's like a class signifier. Like Mauricio's so handsome. He's so wealthy. And of course, there's a rumor that he's having an affair with his wife. And that is the context of all of this conversation and why people are like picking it apart in every way is because there's been a rumor since the beginning of the season. Well, there's a long been a rumor that Mauricio has affairs. And for uh, some reason, I'm honestly not sure. People started saying that it's with Dorit. And now there's just like a lot that you can read into. They're always touching. They're very lovey-dovey. Mauricio straight up said he wanted to sleep with her in this episode, etc. Um, hope it's not true, but that's just something that the streets were talking about. It was a very odd conversation and PK don't want to see it again. Stop. Stop trying to be down. Stop trying to be cool. Stop trying to name drop. I'm convinced that John Legend and Lionel Richie were a number of people that were at that dinner. It was probably... <gasps> a, You're so right. Right. It was probably a it was a 15 big to 20 group people. dinner. Yeah. yeah. And when Dorit talked about it originally, she called it an event. Like he had a work event. She didn't say a work dinner. She said an event. He was, oh my gosh. Uh, and then he was trying to be all cutesy about it with that. Was it when he, who was he telling about? I guess Erica and Mauricio. And he was like, yeah. And then the cop asked where I'd been. And I said at dinner and he said, who with? I'm sorry. What like state patrolman is asking exactly. who you were at dinner with? Exactly. John Legend doesn't know you. Next. <laughs> Next. <laughs> okay. So we see... We know all things happen at the dinner table. And once again, Kyle brew in her pot. That pot, that pot, she was, she was, she didn't, it left her backyard and it brought itself to Dorit's house at the dinner table. Kyle is talking to Sutton and is mentioning to Sutton about the her and Rena having that argument that they had at the Rena Rose party. And there is some disagreement over what Rena said to Sutton. Sutton said that that um, Lisa told her to get the fuck out the house. Garcelle says that was true. Um, Dorit says that was true, I believe. But Lisa told Kyle she never said that. Which, to be fair, she didn't say the words, get the fuck out of my house. But she did say, fuck you, get out of my house. 
I think Which we feels can agree it's the worse. same thing. Yeah. I think <laughs> that, we that can feels all worse. agree. Yeah. Pretty much the same sentiment. And as Jody pointed out, if not worse. And Sun says, I don't want to talk about this here. I don't want to do this. Totally fair. The correct thing to say. Instead, Kyle turns right to Renna and brings it up. And it's just like, Kyle, it's just becoming... I liked when Kyle poked and prodded behind the scenes. Now it's just so obvious. And it's it, it's just... Uh, I'm just... I'm not feeling Kyle this... Into, I, I mean, I've never been a big Kyle stand. I'm really not feeling her this season. And so... All, it all unleashes at this point. And Rinna, who seems to forgive and forget and then bring it back up and then forgive and forget, is unleashes again on sudden in front of a crowd of people or a crowd of people in front of several people who are not privy to this information, um, who are just there to represent homeless, not toothless. <laughs> How dare you say that in a normal tone? <laughs> <laughs> It, it cannot be overstated that they are sitting at a U-shaped dinner table. So they're all very far apart, which is what makes this conversation so terrible because Le- Lisa Rinna was screaming from the moment she walked into this Homeless Not Toothless <laughs> affair. She's like, ah! Like, just the whole time. I mean, I, she must have been a little drunk because she was just screeching and I think that she and Erica got kind of like a shitty seating placement where they were at one end of the U and so they were really trying to make their presence known by like screaming and I think what made Kyle's behavior so abhorrent in this episode is that she's sitting in the middle of the U so you're literally watching her like lash her little tentacles out and plant her little (laughs) seeds like you were saying and like mix up this drama and then there's just such a perfect moment well so Rinna just totally loses it is like bringing up the exact same shit she has been bringing up all season Sutton apologizes for it every episode and like I said about Diana earlier Lisa's like saying the quiet parts out loud she's basically like if you just say what I want I'll stop talking about it and all the all the dentists in attendance are horrified. <laughs> They're so upset <laughs> at what's happening. But at some point when Rena finally simmers down, she's like, she's like, who started this? How'd this happen? How did I get so worked up? And in unison, Sutton and Dorit or someone, two people both say Kyle. And she is just sitting over there cackling like a witch. Mm-mm-mm. The optics... The optics. (laughs) They're not good. The optics of it all. No, absolutely. Kyle got this whole thing started. She got every single person riled up. And at this point, it's just getting more heated and more heated because Sutton's like, I'm not going to be involved in it. I'm not going to be involved. But she can't help because Lisa's literally screaming at her. She accuses her of not apologizing to Harry, which we see Sutton then pull out the receipts, read the text message that she sent to Harry Hamlin, so Harry's fine. You know what I mean? Like, Harry's fine. And then, Harry is fine. He doesn't come to any parties. Yeah. He doesn't get apologies. This is why. Like, he's not this a cast why. member. This is why. Thank God Harry wasn't there. Honestly, Lisa wouldn't have done that if Harry was here. That's the thing. If Harry had been there, Lisa would have never done this. I'm trying to think if there has been a time where Lisa has lost it like this in front of Harry. You're right, because at her house, at the, at the Rena Rosé event, she waited until he went on his little walk in his little leather shirt and then she started losing it. Harry's not gonna, Harry has no time for this. And I really think he would check her and she would listen if she did if she did it in front of him. So 
The only thing that calms this down, as we already say, stated, is Melissa, Melissa Etheridge. She comes in. She does a fabulous job. She calms him down. And then there's the breakthrough happens that we referred to earlier. And that is Lisa basically pinpointing where her anger and frustration is coming from. She admits that she is projecting onto Sutton because late earlier in that day, she received all the stuff from her mother's house, which we know her mother passed away um, a few months prior to this scene. And I think she says two months. And so she's very emotional about it. She says she's trying to do her best. She doesn't know how to deal with it. And she really breaks down to where all the women come over to her. You see Kathy crying because I'm sure it triggers the own loss that she suffered in her life. Um, in regards to her mom. And she basically apologized to Sutton. She says, I'm sorry, it's not you. Um, you know, I, I'm i just feeling this way and I don't know how. Um, yeah, so your thoughts, I feel like people were, and it's hard, right? Because of the, the way Lisa Rinna has acted, it's not far, it's not wild for people to think that that she might be putting on a little bit. And that's, that's really hard for me to say. But what do you think, Joey? <laughs> Two things can be true at once. Like, Rena can be mourning the loss of her mother in ways that are difficult and challenging. And I think that, like, everyone can relate to that. All those women can clearly relate to it. Sutton is immediately like, it's fine. I'll take it. I'll swallow all your pain. I will be a receptacle for your grief. But the other thing that's true is that like Rena has not really earned over time that grace. And she often does not show that grace to other people. And so it's hard to really give it to her here. And also the things that she's yes. screaming at Sutton are are things that are inside of her, you know, that like they're coming from a real place. Her saying, I'm not gonna forgive you until you tell me why you did what you did. But she's already told her a million times, she's not gonna let it go until she says exactly what she wants to hear. And we've seen that so many times with Rena, with Denise, with Lisa Vanderpump, with Kim, all the people that she's attacked over the years, that it's just, it's hard to like, separate these two things or rather to kind of allow them to exist together, which is like, oh, this is just grief because it can't just be grief because it's happened for as long as she has been on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Right. No. So well said. So true. I don't have anything else to add to that because it's like, it's a tough line because you obviously she really is grieving. But you have to call out what she's doing is problematic at the same time. And we'll see. We've got many episodes to come. Will she let it go? I'm not saying that she's getting over her grief at all, but will she stop lashing out at Sutton as she has acknowledged that she's done? Only time will tell. We shall see. We see in the previews, though, that now it is Erica versus Garcelle. And Garcelle says the infamous line that we've seen in the previews or in the trailer where she says, Erica, I don't have to make you look bad. You do that all by yourself. You can do that all by yourself. And the women are shocked. They're silenced. And I can't wait to see Erica's response to that. Ah, oh, so good. Beverly Hills, so good. And something else that's so good. It's Below Deck Med now, season seven, episode five. Callie 
And Jody, I'm turning it over to you to recap. I'm loving that we're doing this because it's been a while, if ever. Have we ever done Below Deck? I don't know if we've ever done Below Deck. So I know you're chomping at the bits, Jody, because I know how much you love Below Deck. And I'm sure that this happened simply based off your news of the week. <laughs> so many people wanted to hear from you on this. So you guys, here it is. I'm turning this over to Jody and Callie. No, Callie, I will apologize that we were cooking you so hard for not knowing who Melissa Etheridge is because I am personally so grateful that you're here as a fellow Below Deck fan. The listeners have been asking for it. The people are watching. And I can always count on you to, to watch these uh, these JV Below Rent <laughs> Bravo shows with me, which really are my personal preference. So this week on Below Deck Med, we've got a few like really huge topics to hit. But real quick, yeah. I want to get your general below deck opinions. Do you have a preferred franchise? Do you have a ranking of captains? Where do you stand on below deck? Yeah. Um, I would have said that below deck med was my favorite up until recently. And sailing yacht has really come in strong. I do not watch Below Deck Down Under. So I've heard in, that, girl. that I've heard that one is really good. So I need to um catch up on Below Deck Down Under. But I I think right now I like Below Deck Sailing Yacht, but I like Captain Sandy more the most. Inter oh interesting. She's your favorite Captain. Well, favorite active captain, yes. Favorite active captain. Okay, because I have had a journey with Captain Sandy. I think a lot of people have. And ultimately, this episode played a lot into that journey. It's on the uptick. Oh, I mean, oh yeah. I mean, right now, she's handling everything much better. She has all of her talking points down. By the way, I think her talking points seem genuine. Like how she's conveying it. But a couple years ago, this would not be Captain Sandy. Right. She had she had a rough spot that I won't soon forget about what she did to Hannah and the way that she and Malia teamed up. It's like, I'm not a big Hannah defender. Just the way that she handled that situation was so pointed and targeted. And the thing that Captain Sandy does is like play favorites. And I don't love that. But you're right. She's great in this episode. So let's get into it. Funnily enough, the first thing that happens in this episode of Below Deck Med is that the bosun gets fired. And it's like not that big of a deal because everything gets so much wilder. But um, what do you think? What do you think about bosun Reagan? Uh, the bosun got fired, but everyone was just like, I think episode two, I was like, what, when is this happening? It's going to happen. When is it happening? Like she had... You know how people lie, obviously, on their... What's it called? Their sheets? Their, their CVs. Yeah, their CVs. Was she... I, I'm confused. Did she lie? She didn't seem to know what was going on at all. She had never been a bosun. Yeah, she had no way. maybe she, been a deckhand. She didn't even know how to do a schedule. She was struggling with the, the water toys. Like, I, I was just so... Her she didn't calls? know how to call meters. Her calls? Yeah, I was like, what is happening? They're lucky that the that that all they got were scratches. They're lucky. 
What's really funny is that like we are speaking in this terminology that surely a few years ago we didn't know. Like I just heard myself say she didn't know how to call meters. And I was like, my ass doesn't know how to call meters either. But I feel like I could be a better bosun than Reagan. By the way, have have either of us been on a mega yacht in the Mediterranean Sea? No. Well, I don't know. My answer is not yet. (laughs) (laughs) That is a better answer. And I agree. Not yet. Hopefully, hopefully one day and hopefully soon. Right. Maybe together. Maybe this could be a little morally corrupt field trip. So just in case anyone who's usually with us for Housewives does not is not watching Below Deck. I talked about it a little bit last week. This was my low moment in Bravo of last week that I wanted this to be over. And we have definitely reached a breaking point where the chef of Below Below Deck Med this season and the chief stew, who always have either a contentious or a sexual relationship or both, this season, they worked on a boat together before this boat, where they had a relationship. When they started hooking up, Natasha, also known as Tosh, who's the chief stew, had been dating a man for four or five years. And she cheated on him with Dave, the chef. Ultimately, we don't totally know yet, but that led to a breakup with this very serious boyfriend. So she comes on to this boat asking Dave to not talk about their prior relationship because it makes her look bad, is what she says. This situation ultimately drives Dave to an absolute breakdown, which we see in this episode. He gets way too drunk, lashes out, and then the next morning goes into like a shame spiral for lashing out, which we will get into the details of. Callie, what have you thought about this storyline? Yeah, I feel like it's been very up and down for me because I was on Dave's side until this episode. And I wouldn't say that I'm on Tasha's side now. I'm just kind of like, you fucked up, Dave. This needs to be over with for both of you. Um, But like, I think she put him in a really hard position. She's downplaying everything when it seems it was much deeper because... Even like how she acted, she chose to share a room with him. She went in there, asked him to have sex. She was initiating everything. So like he gets on this boat and she's the one pursuing it more. You can tell obviously that Dave's feelings are like 1000% in. Um, But I think this boat kind of reminds me of Love Island. Like they were hooking up for two months, right? But when you're on a boat with someone 24 hours a day, two months is like a year at least. So I feel like I get how Dave went so far so fast. I think she put him in a really shitty position. Also, it's been more than a week. And like, she still wasn't like... Because she told him after a week, they'd start telling people. It had been like three weeks, four weeks. We're on episode six. And she was not doing it. So I understand Dave reaching his breaking point. On the flip side, we have all been in long relationships have gotten out and are ready to go, ready to find something, a rebound, whatever it is. So I totally... I don't get the cheating thing because now I feel like by the end of the episode, she's talking back with her ex, but she won't do it in front of Dave. So I'm like, if you don't think you're doing anything wrong, then you should be able to do it in front of Dave. Like She seems very sneaky overall. So 
That part of it, I don't agree with. But let's say she broke up with her boyfriend, wants to have a rebound with Dave, decides after two months, like, oh, wow, I really jumped into that too fast. Like, I don't want it anymore. She's able to do all of that stuff. I think she should have communicated all that much, much, much better. But even so, Dave has no right to lose his fucking mind. Yeah, we're on the same page because... I I mean, it's just my mind goes back and forth so much on them, though, because like what you you said, she put them in the same room. And my mind's always going back to that, where I think she's like trying to toe this party line where she's always been on the same page about this, which is that like this was just a fling. They didn't have a relationship. She doesn't really owe anything to him. But there's clearly some miscommunication here where I think she came into this boat with intentions to remain in a relationship with him. And then quickly, when she saw how needy he was, did no longer wanted that relationship, which is she totally got reasonable. She got the ick. That, yes, that is exactly right. And I also think there's something to like when they were on their other boat and she was cheating on her longtime boyfriend, that's like, ooh, a clandestine affair. Like there's some sort of like risque thrilling to that. Yeah. What's that? Exactly. I yeah. said like sneaky, thrilling. Sneaking around. That's, she liked that. Yeah. Yeah. And then as soon, then she is pushed to have to break up with her boyfriend. And what's the reality she's looking at? dating Dave, who's acting a mess. Like, there's nothing attractive about that. The other thing is, even when they came on this boat, she wanted it to be a secret. She wanted them to be sneaking around. So she was into it until Dave was like, no, everyone needs to know. Like, I'm not a kid. Why are we sneaking around? And immediately when he was pushing more and more for that, you could see her being like, that's not really... Like, I want like a 007 relation right now. And I get after being in a relationship for five years, four years, you want a thrill, but it's not fair to Dave. Right. He wants her to be his fiance. Wife. She wants him (laughs) to be like a little boat hookup where they like, you know, fuck in their twin beds in that tiny little cabin. And it's not 100%. So like, I would say her fatal flaw is that she fails to communicate with that that with him. You know, she's just wants to keep it on the down low. She doesn't want to talk about it on this national television show where it's absolutely going to come out no matter what. And what we see happen in this episode where I think both of us have turned to like, okay, she wasn't handling this well. He did something that is like unforgivable and, you know, means for being fired if like this situation had gone just a little bit differently. So basically the crew goes out. Dave, some uh, to me, it seemed like at first he was going to try not to get that drunk because he was like drinking beer. All of a sudden he's hammered and he is desperate to talk to Tosh about their relationship. Tosh has been dodging his texts and his in-person communication all day. He follows her to the bathroom. And I would say that's the turning point. I mean, I think even then, if she could have just been like, Dave, I I just, I got to tell you, I don't want to date you and I need us to move forward from there. Like, I'm sure he would have had a different sort of crisis, but he follows her to the bathroom. She's creeped out. Did that, that moment made me like really uncomfortable when he followed her to the bathroom. I mean, I don't, I, yes, it would creep me out. The only reason why I didn't was because I'm like, 
he is just trying to get an answer. Yeah. Where like he has tried text he was message. Desperate. He has tried in person on the boat. He has tried. So like he's just trying anything. He didn't want to do it at the table because she doesn't want anyone in their business. So I feel like he was like, okay, she's away. We're out. We're not working right now. Let me try to go talk to her when we're not in front of everyone. Like yeah. I get his thinking, trying to still please her. Like she doesn't want to do this at the table. Let's, let me go talk to her. But you can get her vibe of like, please leave me alone. And like, he isn't getting it. No, he is not. He is not catching on to her like her that she is obviously trying to hide something. And I'll say that I watched her on Watch What Happens Live after the show and she was still keeping a lot of things close to the vest. So like, I think that's just the kind of person she is where she just doesn't want to share anything, which I understand but is not like great for reality television. Also not great for Dave, who completely like, you know, does the worst possible thing, which is he, when she won't talk to him at the bathroom, he leaves. He says to Storm, who, by the way, was appointed provisional bosun, go Storm, um, (laughs) that he's like, I, you know, and he's really drunk, but he's like, I feel like I'm losing the best thing that's ever happened to me. Then like, like heel turn immediately Tosh goes back to the boat early. Everyone else goes back to the boat. And can you can you believe what he does when he feels like he's missing out on the best thing that's ever happened to him? Immediately texts her and calls her a slut. Like what? Just like such classic, classic male to- to- toxic, toxic masculinity. masculinity. Yeah. It was so upsetting because I think that like kind of what people have held on to with Dave is like, well, he does seem like, except we've seen him do this before, which is he got drunk and he got really aggressive with that deckhand. And like, that wasn't okay either. And that deckhand handled that really well. Um, But so he starts texting her and he's like giving ultimatums. He's like, if you don't talk to me, I'm going to tell everyone, which is extremely messed up. And just saying like, you got yourself in, this is your fault. You got yourself into this. He calls her a slut. Um... He's like, you deserve this. Just really terrible stuff that would be really, really scary to hear knowing that you're in an enclosed space with someone. And so Tosh kind of confides in the Stu, her fellow Stu Kyle about it. Kyle sort of handles it. And by the way, star episode for Kyle. Like Kyle's five great. stars. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I'm not so sure about this season yet, but I really like Kyle and Natalia just being like, clowns they just they're just you know it's i i feel a little nervous because they have such a negging energy with each other i'm like is this gonna topple over into something bad um but right now it's fun (laughs) yeah (laughs) like right now it's fun they both seem like fun people but i feel like the way kyle handled both of these situations like he was like nope not okay getting up getting the bosun telling him that he needs to stop it immediately and then the same thing with Dave. You saw Dave crying. I'm going to get Captain Sandy. Like he was just like, I'm doing the right thing. Like whatever protocol is, not okay. We're making sure that this is solved immediately. Yeah, I think that's right. He was going by nautical law or whatever they kept talking about when they yeah. get Dana off the boat for a prescription. Yeah. Because I also, it was like, I wasn't sure what was happening when he got storm at night. But the next morning, Dave wakes up, was apparently fully blackout when he did this because you just see him reading his phone over and over and over. Yeah. And like, I think everyone can relate to that kind of like next morning, what have I done sort of shame, whether it's at this point in your life or not. Yeah. But <laughs> he's he's like in a shame spiral. 
it starts to have a, a full on anxiety attack and Kyle hears him crying in his room and he goes to get Captain Sandy. And I was really surprised by that move. It was the right thing to do because then Captain Sandy comes in and she handles it so well. What do you think, yeah. Kelly, about, about how Captain Sandy handled it? No, that's okay. Well, that's what I was saying with Kyle. I was just like very impressed with him, like not getting more into the drama. He was like, nope, we need to do this. Like, nope, I'm getting the bosun. Nope, Captain Sandy, this is too much. So I really, really appreciated how he handled both of those situations. Sandy, which obviously she's been creeping up because there were times where I didn't really love her, but her handling of multiple things, even the fire of Reagan, she seems like in a much better place. And I don't know if because of like her experience so far and seeing how she's like handled things in the past, which a lot of people, especially in like powerful positions, don't learn or change once they get to a certain point. So to see her handle this situation so much better, like she was like, let's get you some fresh air. Let's go talk about it. Talk to me. I want to make sure like right after she told him, she was like, I need to talk to Tosh and make sure that she feels safe because if she doesn't feel safe, he's gone. Like, I just feel like she handled it gr- great. I, the only criticism I, I, she's not a criticism for me because I think that she handled it perfectly fine is that I think some people might say you might still need to get rid of Dave. Like, I understand that Tasha is saying she's fine, but him doing that is crossing a line. Um, so I think that's the only thing that maybe someone could say from watching. Obviously, we see the whole behind the scenes and everything, which Captain Sandy doesn't. So if I didn't have all of this context, then I would probably say get rid of him. But because I have all the context, I think this is the right move because I think Dave is actually like harmless and will do his job. He might be like, you know, mellow to himself, but I don't think he's going to cause havoc again. I hope. Oh, see, I I don't know if he'll cause havoc again, but I would not call him harmless. Like, I, I, the moment someone calls me a slut, I'm like off the fucking boat. I mean, I would just like. Oh, I, would not... I mean, if I was Tosh, I would be like, yeah, no, he's got to go. But I'm saying, if you're Sandy, you like, she's telling she you sees everything's like that. fine. Yeah, yeah, and it's not a big deal. Plus, she didn't tell her what the text said. Right, and that is the thing. It's like my feeling is that Dave needs to be off this boat. I don't feel safe with him around Natasha. And I feel like Natasha is kind of playing some line where she's, where she's, you know, she sees him as a good guy is what she says. But yeah, she, so she does. Her ex so is Sandy, a good guy. What's that? I said, she also sees her ex as a good guy. So, I mean, I think she's oh, just... Oh, Natasha. Natasha. Yeah. <laughs> but I, also, I don't love I think she likes the attention. Because she goes back in there, she's giving him a hug, rubbing on his back. I'm like, what is happening? I think she's someone who sees herself as a good and forgiving person. And sometimes actually like living that and and needing and needing it to, to be seen as it are like different things. And if she does feel safe, that is fine. And you and Sandy does not have the context of what the text said. And I and I, what I liked that Sandy did is she was like, if this happens again, you're fired. Very straightforwardly. So it's just a difficult situation. And, uh, you know, it, I hope that everyone will stay tuned to Below Deck uh, to see what happens so that we can we can talk about it some more. But Callie, thank you 
for your valuable below deck insights. Um, we're both, you know, on a long, long journey here with Captain Sandy <laughs> and with Below Deck Med. And Rachel, thank you for briefly handing over the reins so that we could, you know, dabble down here in the gutters. Back to you. Jody and Callie, absolutely fabulous recap. Below deck med people, below deck whatever, whatever you are in the franchise, I'm sure you've been waiting for us to cover this because we do cover all things, pretty much all things, in the Bravo universe. Um, ladies, that was hilarious. It was great. Not that I understood much, but I enjoyed the conversation and I enjoyed the recap. You guys, we will be back next week covering all things Bravo in a morally corrupt way. Have a beautiful week and we'll see you guys next Friday. Bye.